Well, good morning, Peaceful Grace. Thanks for joining us today, and thank you for joining us online. Before we get going with our learning time, um, uh, I want to say something just so that you'll know. Uh, I have, a, I have a, um, a disease in my right ear that uh, causes me sometimes violence. Uh, it's, they've cured some of the symptoms, but it's an incurable thing. So every once in a while, I'll get dizzy. And then sometimes I am blessed with violent vertigo. It happened yesterday, and so uh, it just means I'm going to stumble around, probably fall down, and then sometimes leads to other things. So I'm telling you that because if you see me and that happens, you don't need to worry. We don't need to care about Matt. You know, it just, it just you know, two or three Benadryl and it's all good. Wake up tomorrow. So uh, anyway, I just wanted you to know that's a, a possibility today. You can now spend a few seconds on talking to someone next to you about what are the odds of me getting through today's lesson. It's also a way to keep the tension so that you keep looking up here to see what's going to happen next. It's kind of a gag. <clears throat> so, well, let's, let's start with our, our uh, learning time today. Ten years ago, a little bit more than ten years ago, uh, a group of leaders at Grace were coming back from a mission trip. And when we were on the plane, I uh, was sitting next to this young man, and he, you know, we did that thing where, you know, what do you do for a living? And it's, in, in my business, it it kills more conversations than just about anything. So yeah, I'm a pastor, you know, ring the bell. Stewardess, can I sit somewhere else? I'm in a hostile row here. But he, he was one of the minority people that just said, yeah, I, I start telling people I'm, wanna, I'm an architect. That, that worked in other places. So this guy told him I was pastor. He said, oh, fine. He wasn't threatened by that. Didn't know he wasn't gonna be strange about it. He'd been married for about three years and he just said, let's talk about my marriage. I said, well, let's do that. And I said, did you do premarital counseling? No, I didn't. He said, we just argue about everything. Do you have any advice? And I said, well, I think I do. Um, had a napkin and a pen. I said, here it is. Six principles, five words. Just do these. And I wrote down the words. Break, bond, one, love, respect. Break, bond, one, love. Break, bond, one, love and respect. I said, there's a sixth principle in there as well, but you do these and you get a humble heart towards these, God can change your marriage and make it everything it was meant to be. And we talked about each word and what they meant and how do they applied. And by the time we landed, he said, this is awesome. I can't wait to give this a try. Can I have that piece of napkin? Can I have that napkin? I went, no, man, I just made this up. This is really good stuff. It'll, <laughs> it'll preach. And so it is. I'm preaching it. So made him a copy. He took that home. Six principles, five words. Here's the first principle. This is what you absolutely need to know about marriage. One, it is the means, marriage is the means to become like Christ. You have to see marriage in its purpose, and that purpose is to make us like Christ. Let me make a quick review from last week because it applies this week as well. Human beings have difficulties in relationships with each other, but especially in marriage, especially in marriage because our souls are deeply broken at its core, bent, bent the wrong way, okay? We, we're not designed this way. Don't, it's not God's fault. It is our fault, and we broke it, and now all the way we were meant to be, we aren't that way. Our original design was what we say here at Grace, we say face out, and that is look at all of life, looking out on that, gazing, we say, gazing at the glory of God and, and his majesty, gazing at nature, enjoying that God made that, and he's really good at art. Uh, gazing into other human souls, every human soul in its uniqueness, that we might know them and love them and, and make them all that they were meant to be, serving other people. 
And so our design was to be self-forgetful. Our design was to, to, to be innocent and proud of that innocence. Our design were, was to be ambitious, but not selfish ambitious. So it's, it was a beautiful plan. It's a beautiful mold. It's a, it's a great design, but we broke that design. And because of that, now our life purpose in many respects is a journey. It's a journey back to the Garden of Eden. We need to get back to the, our original design. Adam, or even better, second Adam. His name is Jesus Christ. And it is our destiny, friends. It's our destiny. It says in the Bible, for whom God foreknew, he predestined them to become in the, and transformed into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. God's destiny for us is to transform us into the likeness of Christ. That's his plan for us. We need to get on that. And so we can start facing out like that. And here's the thing. We see it in life. Nothing works the way it's supposed to work when people are facing in on themselves. When we're self-centered, ego-driven, those sorts of things, nothing works. It doesn't work uh, in relationships. It doesn't work in sports. It doesn't work in the church. It doesn't work the way it was meant to be because we're proud and we're self-centered. We, we, everything's about us. But life does work when we, we find ourselves being visited by God's spirit and, and we start looking out and, we, and in that looking out at gazing at other people and we're not the big issue here, then what happens, two things happen. One, we become united with God, with nature and with, uh, with others and then we get very productive because in unity, there's, there's process. And, and you can produce some things, but not like produce, not the, the journey there. But when, you're, when you have a, a group of people turning out, they are united producing things and they're enjoying the journey of getting production done. We can get things done and be happy about it. There's a runaway best-selling book called uh, Ego is the Enemy. Not a Christian book at all, okay? It, by Ryan Holiday and, and the book Ego is the Enemy was so profound that now it's given out and required reading for some major corporations and a lot of professional sports teams. And that's because the people that are like on top making these decisions to hand this book out, they understand if we can get just these egos out of the way and we could be like faced out and serve one another, we can get a lot done and enjoy doing it on our journey. Facing out, all is the way we were meant to be. Facing in, it's all about me. Facing in is a cancer in our soul, in the deepest part, in its recesses, and it curses everything. It curses relationship, it curses work, it curses, it curses church, it curses church. There's a fun video of a facing in church. Church is all about me. Look what it looks like. Why don't you play that? Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I don't know who sets the worship center temperature, but why does it have to be so cold? Why do you have to be so right? Heated chairs are now being installed. This one wants a small church, but I'm afraid if it's too small, they're gonna make me volunteer like crazy. And I don't stack chairs, do I? Makes total sense. Join now and we'll let you decide the size of our church. We're millennials, and we want a church that... Say no more. Any requests you have will be granted immediately. Parking is horrible. It takes me almost six minutes to get from my car 
to the building. It's going to take me six seconds to tell you a valet service is on the way. My pastor's preaching, it's all over the map. I say, oh, I don't know, stick with the books of the Bible. We should be only exegetical. Okay, next week we start John chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll even start pronouncing that word the way you said it. Hey, I'd like this sermon to be no longer than 30 minutes. How does 15 minutes sound? Hey, anybody willing to go 15 should be willing to go to 10. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. But from now on, five-minute sermons it is. <laughs> now you're talking. Me, church, where it's all about you. Based on a true story? Well, I'm, I'm done with my 10 minutes. I got to go. Look, the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of the king, is supposed to be a beacon of what it looks like for people that are dedicated to turning out, gazing upon God and nature and our fellow human beings so we can enjoy the humility of that and enjoy getting things done. In our unity, because when we're, when we're facing out the way we're meant to be, we become unified and we, we do what God wants us to do and we enjoy the process of getting it done. That's the whole... So, Watch, watch how St. Paul writes to a church, his favorite church uh, in many respects, Philippians, and they're having some unity issues, but he prays for them. He's praying for you. He's praying for me in this prayer. Watch how he's praying for us to face out and to be like Christ in all of life. So it goes like, starts like this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, well, sure there is. This is an assumed yes on these. Is there any comfort from love? <laughs> you bet. Any participation in the spirit? Absolutely. Any affection and, and sympathy, amen. He says, okay, so now listen for the self, look, look how he's saying, turn out, face out. He says, so, so complete my joy by being of the same mind, unified, in the same love, unified, being in the full of, uh, accord and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on your own interest, but also on the interest of others, see? He tells them, look, out, look, look, look at other people's needs first. Man, I just wish there was some kind of role model or example that we could follow. Next verse. Have, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who? Though, <laughs> though he was in the form of God, the essence of God, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped or held onto, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Wow. I don't know what we're holding on to when we're turning in, but Jesus is the God man who says, I'm going to leave that here and not take advantage of that. I'm going to face out. I'm going to leave my rights here so I might serve the will of my father. That's what it looks like. When we talk about becoming like Christ in all of life, that's the end game. And marriage is a primary means of doing that. Jesus has a way of showing us in his life. You can just follow this in the gospels. Like when he shows compassion to people, like he shows compassion just to give and just to serve. And there's no, like, there's no agenda for him. He's just doing it because that's what people need to have happen in their lives. I, maybe it's just me, but when I, when I give and when I serve and, and maybe sacrifice for other people, there's just this underlying nasty, I don't know, subliminal nagging infestation of ulterior motives. I mean, I hope, I hope this gets found out, you know, <laughs> maybe somebody will, will recognize this later. And sometimes we don't even know it, it's, it's kind of in the soup until we don't get any recognition. And we kind of say, well, 
Well, what about me? I mean, I was, I was there. I was stacking chairs, you know. I was, I, was, I was in that. Anyway, maybe, maybe that's just the way it is. I hope I get noticed. That's not self-forgetful. That's a sign of, of facing in. And, it, and, and that's the sign of the disease. So the point is, our souls are not right. And they're very broken. They're bent. Facing out was the original design. And now we have this addiction of facing in and the process of becoming like Christ starting here is self-centered and becoming like Christ humbling himself to become like a man that is called sanctification that's the theological word of that process is this it's a real change from inside out it it it, you have to change what motivates you there that's rough it changes what motivates you and this illness we have here's the point this illness we have is so demented that only the power of God's spirit can change us. There is no hope except hope in God's spirit. It is our destiny. The father says you are destined to become like Christ, but it's the spirit that we need to make it work. We can't fix this without it. And relationships, especially marriage, shows us all of those needs where we need the Holy Spirit applied to this in buckets. That's, that's the point of marriage. Marriage is a means to become like Christ. And no, no relationship is quite like marriage is one of the themes here. I mean, I, I love what uh, Catherine Porter says. Marriage is the merciless revealer, the great white searchlight turned on to the darkest places of our human nature. Amen. I mean, it is, it is the great white searchlight to the darkest recesses of our human nature. She's talking about original sin. The depth of our sin can't be fully appreciated until you get married. And your mate will tell you all about it. (laughs) Let me me put it another way. Uh, Marriage is purgatory. I know, it's flattering. I got more than, I'm going to say more about marriage. Marriage is purgatory. Marriage is the place that you find yourself getting ready, becoming holy to face God face to face. So you might enjoy his presence as the way you were meant to be. Marriage is going to be the means of doing that. Marriage is a trap. There, it keeps getting better. For you single people, you're going to probably make decisions never to get married. It's purgatory. It's a trap. Here's why it's a trap. Because when you're single, maybe you have three other roommates, and you have a little spat going back and forth. It gets kind of elevated. There's a big uh, argument. Well, you just go back into your room. You close the door. You lay on the bed, and you just go, they're wrong, you know? I mean, you just go Napoleon. Uh, everybody's wrong and I'm right. I mean, maybe they'll find their way. Marriage is a trap because when you go to your room, it's not your room. It's y'all's room. <laughs> Sounds like people have been to this room. And they, that person just follows you in and says, huh, no, we're going to keep talking about this. This is not going away. And so you're on the couch. And you know what, you know what happens when you're on the couch? You're back being right again. Look at me. You know, I'm right. I could use a blanket right now, (laughs) kind of cold, but she's going to see, you know, a couple more nights on the couch, she's going to see. No, that's not what happens. You've got to work this stuff out. So in in, in summary, our souls are broken and bent, not in a way that uh, three weeks of therapy is going to help. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit getting in there. You have to become like Christ. And in becoming like Christ, when you start turning out, when you start facing out, you will, in your humility and self-forgetfulness, you will become united. And in that unity, you will produce what God wants for you in marriage and in yourselves, and you'll enjoy the production process. 
It's the way we were designed. It's the way we were made. And so what does that look like? Five principles, right? Five words, six principles, okay? Five words we'll look at coming up. And the, the principle, the first principle is the foundation that you put these five pillars on. And the principle is this, that we have to get the power of God's spirit into our marriage. We have to get the power of God's spirit into our lives because it's required. It's the only way it'll work. And we need to do this for two reasons, for two reasons, okay? Why do we need the power of God's spirit in this? One, because he, he designed the blueprints for marriage. Marriage, <laughs> marriage is a set of blueprints. Like he, 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 what's it, this is what marriage is supposed to be, the five words. And, and he knows, he invented it. And if you don't go by that blueprint, what happens is, cup, you know, the guy comes into a marriage and he says, I'm going to do everything my parents did, or I'm going to do the opposite of everything my parents did. And the bride walks in and says, I'm going to do what my parents did, or the opposite of what my parents did. Anyway, the point is, we're just like, we don't have a plan. And you can't build without a plan. You have to have a blueprint. If you imagine being like a contractor and a husband and wife come in and they say, hey, we're going to build a house. This is really, it's going to be great. Guy rolls out uh, the blueprints of a three-story glass and steel building and says, oh, yeah, it's going to be that modern look. I can't wait. And then she brings her own blueprints and says, yeah, I was thinking more Victorian, wraparound porch, you know, really quaint. Contractor says, nah, I'm not touching this. You guys figure out what y'all want, and then maybe I'll do something, but probably not with you guys. <laughs> it, here's, what, here's the thing. God comes into this picture and says, I designed man and I designed woman. I know how they're made. I designed marriage. This is how marriage works. This is how it looks. Go to the electrical page. That's on forgiveness. Here's how you give forgiveness. Here's when you give forgiveness. Here's how you respond to forgiveness. You know, go to the, the framing pages, right? It goes, here's compassion. Here's how to give compassion. Here's when to give compassion. Here's how to receive compassion. Right? We, can just, we just have all these ways of knowing what was meant to do, and we do it according to plan. I know it sounds obvious, but people don't do it. God wrote the blueprints, and the blueprints are, here's the break, bond, one, love, respect. It's right there on the bumper sticker. Break, bond, love, one, love, and respect. As a matter of fact, the youth committee got a hold of this stuff and they made little stickers because that's what they do. Kevin and Sarah and Tammy, they, they get a hold of stuff and they make it fun and they make it pretty. So these will be out, I think they're around campus, I think in the Sunday school classes, you put them on your little you know, jug or refrigerator and when you're having something going on, you just point to, here's where we're arguing, right here. <laughs> Thought it'd be fun. That's the blueprint. Break, bond, one, love, respect. That's how it works. If you, what's funny about this blueprint, it's, it is so absolutely true in every culture, in every race, in every epoch of time, that you can see people that are not Bible readers, not, they don't attend church, but when they work the five words, they get a lot more right than these churchgoers that don't read the blueprints. Because this is the way marriage works. Understand the blueprints. Understand this, that marriage is a means to make you more like Christ in all of life. Perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. When you see this is the means and this is the end, you can start appreciating marriage for what it is. 
The five words, they, if, you, if, you, if you could study these together as a couple and as couples together, study them, apply them, look at the final product, and you're gonna see the way God is working in your life to bring you to the place where you were destined to be. The second reason we need the power of this God's spirit in our life, the second reason is this, and this is very important, is the, the spirit, as I mentioned before, is needed for the power of change. The change we're talking about is way more than habitual. It's, it's more than just disciplines. It's, it's to, in a marriage, it's two people with e- each one of them having the absolute power to destroy the marriage. They're both bent, turned in, and they can light it up anytime with that attitude of selfishness. But if they both choose to humbly submit to the will of God and what God is having for them and acknowledges that they are the problem and want to be surrendered to him, then that great marriages, a great marriage is about to happen. Great marriages are formed when people are trying to get fixed vertically and then apply it horizontally. Okay? They, they're going to get fixed vertically, vertically and then apply it horizontally. Even the best marriages, friends, even the best marriages. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there's no ill in motive arguing back and forth. There's no malicious intent. Just good marriages with two kind people, they still cause a lot of injuries. And, and if it's a good marriage, the injuries are deep because, because you're trusting that other person. And when they do something, it, it cuts deeper than a normal relationship would. So, I just want to show you in a a few sentences that marriage is this unusual opportunity to really grow in your relationship with God and and to become what you were destined to become. Okay, just a few sentences. You've You've probably seen these passages and you've applied them to hard times. I want you to see that these passages also apply to hard and difficult marriages. Okay, this is James. This is how he starts his book. James chapter one, verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face various uh, or, or face trials of many kinds. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. So, sure, it's easy to look at trials of many kinds and say, well, yeah, when a Christian's being persecuted or long-term unemployment or a various trial could be uh, a long-term illness. Right. And so consider, consider it a, a joy to be experiencing that because some good things can happen. What if I told you it also means marriage? One of the various trials that you're having to endure is marriage because marriage is trying to take you to Philippians chapter two, where we're like Christ and seeking other people first, not working up, not only focusing on our own needs. What if one of the trials is the death to the narcissistic nature of our deep soul? That's a trial. Sure. Well, here's what he gives advice. Here's what he's trying to help us with. Because you know, these tests, you know, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. But look, it has it in. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. It's another way of saying that. Like Christ in all of life. So again, it's easy to see that the testing of your faith during trials like uh, perse- physical persecution, loss of income, illness, you gotta tr- tr- it's testing your faith. What's it testing your faith in? Well, it's testing your faith in the nature of God. Is, is God kind? Is he loving? Uh, is he aware of what's going on here? Does he have any power to get me out of this trouble? Sure, that works for that passage. But what if the, 
the various trials is marriage, and the trial is trying to become a changed human being like Christ. And, and the testing of your faith is, is, is those things, but also, does God have the power to change me? I mean, how powerful is the Spirit of God that could make me a humble man? I sometimes doubt that. And God's like, no, I, I, try me. I can lead you to places that will give you a chance to be humble. I'll humiliate you. <laughs> and maybe you can learn from that. So God can take us in a place where we can, we can, we can have a trial where we're addicted to security. And, and he brings that trial in our life so that we can trust in his faithfulness to find our trust in him for our security, not in our provisions. You see, that's a trial where we're trusting God. Marriage is like, marriage is the ultimate 12-step program. I mean, I'd, love, I'd walk in a 12-step program and say, yeah, I, step one, I cannot, I cannot become who I, I'm supposed to be. I, I'm powerless over this. Step two, the Holy Spirit has the power to make you the way you were meant to be. He can make you like Christ. There's step one and two. I'm just going to walk in one of these 12 steps and say, hi, my name's Matt, and I'm married. <laughs> I don't think that's going to probably ring true or make sense. How about this? My name is Matt, and I'm addicted to self-centered, bent-inness, and cannot become what I'm destined to become for my wife's sake. Hi, Matt. <laughs> that sounds like a 12-step program. I can't do this. Only God's spirit can. Marriage is a place where we can heal and where we can grow. And we get this vertically so we can get it out horizontally. We have to be healed and we have to grow in our areas of weakness by receiving that from the promises of God and the glory of God. We get that and we get it from God and it just overflows into our other relationships. In your relationship with your wife or your husband, right, how are you going to love them if your source of love is horizontal? Where are you going to go? Just, just, I don't know, watch a lot of Hallmark movies or something and just get like feeling like I should love more? What if you tapped into the power of God's love for you to, and studied that to the point where it's absolutely changing your soul from the inside out? I'll tell you, if you need a thimble full of that love for you, God will give you gallons of love. And you'll want to know, what do I do with all this leftover? There it is. That's what you bring to your family. That's the love, is the, the source of the love is God's love for you. And you go, I got to give this stuff out. I'm going to bring it to my wife. Uh, there's not, not just love, but just like acceptance and approval, right? A lot of arguments that we have back and forth in our living rooms are, I need to be accepted and I need to be accepted and I need you to accept me and, and going back and we're just trying to exchange what we don't have from each other because of our insecurities. But what if, what if we spent an ex extended amount of time trying to believe the promises of God about what he says about us being accepted? What if we went vertical for a while before we went horizontal and found out that he cannot possibly, logically love us anymore? He can't. He can't love us any less. Wow. And and that he calls us, we get these positional statements, he calls us his son, his daughter. We haven't inherited his righteousness. 
Now, now we come with this security, not insecurity, and we get to trade in this overflow of security and trade promises with our mate about, here's what it looks like for you, honey. So the first principle is we've got to get the power of God's spirit into our marriage because we need the blueprint and we need the power to change intrinsically, completely. And in all of this, watch how this rolls up. So much of this is so that we can be the primary minister in our home. Grace Covenant Church, every member's a minister, right? Say that all the time. I'm just the pastor, you guys are the? That's right. So we're always looking for ministry. There's, there's a lot of ministry in your living room. If, if, you, if you see that God's working in your life vertically so that you can give out horizontally, you can be the co-pastor of the relationships under your roof. And, and, and I would say this, that you are uniquely able to bring ministry there that sometimes no one else can do. Because sometimes in life, when your mate, <laughs> this is God working on the destiny of your mate and, the, and, and they're not learning. And so God just like, he just does what he has to do, nothing more, nothing less than he has to do to get a person uh, teachable, to listen to look up and see that uh, maybe the famous line from heaven is, how's it working for you? <laughs> no? And so there's times in our lives where we just like, what is happening? Nothing is working. My kids hate me. My dog won't even come when I call. I've got, I've got telemarketers hanging up on me. You know, like, wait, no, let's talk. And that's that whole Napoleon thing where you just like find yourself going, everybody's wrong and I'm right. I don't know why this is where this is so, and then anger, and resentment, and now we're collecting, we're making names of people that we want to get back, that whole thing. So that's happening because left to ourselves, we can turn in and just keep turning in. And then this co-minister to the family, this person that understands, one, that marriage is a means to become like Christ, and two, the Spirit of God is, is the way that that's going to happen, and I am the minister of this message. So in a soft voice and a kind heart, overflowing with compassion towards that mate. You come in and say, honey, all these things you are fighting are not the fight. You're wrestling with God. There are too many things going wrong to just be circumstantial. There's a plan here. He's breaking you. I think he's just grown tired. His patience is worn out. And he's grown tired of your uh, pride or your greed or need for other people's approval, whatever it is. And so he's just kind of putting you in time out. So everything you touch turns to dirt. He's just putting you in time out. Now, here's the problem, baby. He'll leave you here as long as necessary because you're destined to become like his son. And so you can sit and sulk, and it can take weeks. It can take months. I've seen it take years. And I'm here. I'm here. We lose the house, we can live in a mobile home. We lose the mobile home, we could probably live in that suburban. But I don't, that's not the thing here. Here's the thing. You're going to come out of this thing on the other side with a limp for a lifetime. But you'll be better. You'll be better with a limp than proud without one. So, honey, I'm going to leave it to yourself. I'm going to let you pray about this. Why don't you seek God? on how he's using these events to help you not so concerned about yourself, but concern yourselves with others. 
that though he was in equality with God, he left that and humbled himself and became like a man. What if you were to humble yourself like Christ? That's your destiny. And I, as your husband or wife, I want to be on that path to bring you to that place. That's courageous ministry, isn't it? You need God's Spirit to be a courageous minister in your house. Otherwise, it's just anger versus anger, insecurity versus insecurity. Let me just make it clear. Marriage is a means of helping us become like Christ in all of life. Him humbled, perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. And we need to seize the opportunity for that. I hope that's clear. How do you seize this moment? Like we have a moment right here, this series itself. How do you seize this series? It starts with this. Today's application is a call to surrender, okay? a, a call to dedication, a call to humility, a call to start over for some, right? Like, okay, this is the day. I get it now. <laughs> it, how's it working? It ain't working. Okay, good. Could we try the blueprint with the spirit of God's power? Let's try that. So today's a call to commitment on that. So there. I'd, I'd, I'd ask you to don't miss another week of the series. Bring a friend too. This, this is a blueprint that works for every marriage. Why do the singles keep coming back? I'll tell you why, because someday you might be married and this is the blueprint. Or every, member's a, every believer's a minister. This is great ministry skill stuff. You could be on the airline, whether you're single or married and say, oh yeah, here it is. Break, bond, one, love and respect. Can I have that napkin? So I'd get involved, I'd get the study guide that we have with it. It's gorgeous. Boy, the guys that did this put a lot of work into it. We have chapter supplements that, from other people that write on that subject matter. Maybe get a bumper sticker too, I don't know. Uh, you can download it if you're online. You can download the PDF and print it out. And, and one of the reasons I'm loving that, the PDF part is the next one is getting a small group. We have a lot of small groups available. If you just leave the auditorium after this service and cross the hallway over by the coffee bar, there's, there's a place for you to join a small group and they'll discuss today's lesson in that small group. Also, I think uh, many of our adult communities are doing this because they all are applying it in different life stages. Do that. Third, start your own small group. Call your friends, call your family, call neighbors, the whole Skype thing. Now you do a whole thing PDF, watch it online, and then just go through the questions together. Let's go through life together making marriages the way they ought to be, according to the blueprint. The fourth application I want you to know about, it's a beautiful ministry we have here. Jeremiah mentioned it earlier, it's called Reengage. Reengage is a ministry to the city of Austin. Uh, Jeremiah told me this week, oh, about 40% of the people that attend don't go to Grace. We have no heartburn over that, we like that. A lot of churches don't have the resources we have. Some of them don't have the values about marriage. Uh, whatever the reason is, don't care. We want to serve as many people in the community as possible. Not everybody that comes to that are believers. A lot of them don't even care about being a believer. That, um, that's okay. I would encourage you to consider re-engage. It's free childcare. It's Monday nights. It's, a, it's like a great date, you know, where there's a planned thing going on. You get mentored by someone, sometimes often who wrecked their marriage worse than you could ever imagine, and they're going to work you through yours. It's a beautiful ministry, very inspirational. There's a table in the lobby. I think Jeremiah is working that. Go by and see him, see what happens. You know what you can do? If you're in a home group right now, just your whole home group go. Make it Monday night, childcare is provided. We've seen that happen too. Do something. <laughs> 35 minutes a week is not gonna be enough for life change. You have to apply it each week. Let me conclude with this. Uh, all good things you have to work for.
And a marriage is a great thing. And it's going to require a lot of work. You got two egos clashing regularly. And guess what? The ego is the enemy. Best-selling book says so. Not that best-selling book, the Bible, that best-selling book. And it's going to require divine intervention. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm a husband that cannot become what God wants me to become. But God's spirit can make me do that. Hi, Matt. The goal is the true and the beautiful. Not personal happiness, but fulfillment in our destiny to become like Christ in all of life. And our primary attribute that we're trying to attain is love. And I'll, I'll, I'll use the same quote as last week. Love must be learned. Love must be learned and learned again and again. There is no end to it. Hate needs no instruction, but waits only to be provoked. Don't settle. Don't settle in your marriage. Dream and see God's ambition for your marriage. That it would be the means of you understanding the depth of love and being loved of knowing someone and being known some, by someone deeply. And the way to get there is the power of the Holy Spirit making you like Christ in all of life so you would have stories to tell on heaven and on earth about what God has done for your life. Let's pray to that goal, okay? Lord, Lord first and foremost, I pray for surrender. I pray to the Spirit of God. I pray for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and overwhelm us. Overwhelm us with love and understanding and power. Power to change this bentness in us. Lord, it, it would, it'd be, it's, it's, it's Paul's prayer for us to become like you in your humility so that we might experience unity that can only, that can only be acknowledged in the context of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit unity. That kind of unity. We could have a taste of that here with a husband or a wife, a brother and a sister. We, that is our ambition. So, Lord, I'd ask that you would, your spirit would root out and convict us of sin. The sin of selfishness or egocentricity, whatever, so that we could start anew. There's some men and women in here that want to just start over. I'd ask that you would give him the, them the encouragement to do that. And, Lord, let us be a church that loves what marriage could look like, that when done well, it glorifies you in its harmony and laughter, joy, and even in suffering and sorrow. Lord, I'd ask that you would bless this church in that way. To God be the glory. And all God's people said, amen.